Chaplin. <laughs> Welcome to the market. Hi. Go ahead and park it. Hope that you are starving. Debbie Roots Deep got me thinking it's a parsnip. Every week I get knowledge to go. A year before everyone, how did they know? Figuring how they go college to pros. I pop it on listen and now I'm the pro. I'm still trying to grow. And they do the same. Hundreds of teams, too many to name. And yet they are filtering everything. Only the best, Shane Hallaman Kane. Marketplace, marketplace. Debbie is everything, marketplace. Finding the talent is art, I'd say. I leave it to them while I carve my name. Market Marketplace, marketplace, Debbie is everything marketplace. Finding the talent is art, I'd say. I leave it to them while I carve my name. Hey, welcome, welcome, welcome to another episode of the Debbie Marketplace Podcast. Kane, Shane, and Ellie back with you again. Today we're gonna dive into our consensus ranks. You can always find those on our Discord. Um, so make sure you look wherever you're listening to the podcast, go to the description. You can click on that Discord link. It is completely free to join. If you want our rankings, uh, we try to make it as affordable as possible. You get a ton of extra stuff like an extra podcast, our rankings, um, a bunch of other stuff as well, a whole analytics database and some other stuff that's soon to come um, all for $25 a year. So we try to make it as cheap as possible for you. Um, but we're going to talk about our consensus ranks and talk about those players that uh, we are not seeing eye to eye on. We're going to talk about the ones that we have the largest discrepancy on um, within our top 50. Uh, so stay tuned for that. Additionally, we're going to talk about some guys that are kind of later on in this 23 draft. The, you know, the guys that could be anywhere from a fourth through a sixth round pick. Some of those guys that we really like that that uh, not necessarily like staking a flag, but kind of those guys that you should be ready um, when they get drafted by your favorite team. So you're you're ready to cheer for them when they actually get uh, into that starting roster. Um, and then we'll finish off with our minute history as well as our buys and sells. So let's just dive into it. Um, the first one uh, that I feel like we have to talk about, we're just going to start with the highest discrepancy. And that first one looks like it is... Anthony Richardson. So it uh, looks like I have Anthony Richardson at 27. Shane, you have him at 47. And Nelly, you have him at 25. Um, so Nelly and I relatively similar and, and kind of Shane further back. So Shane, I'm going to give you the floor here. Um, give us maybe 30 seconds or so as to why you kind of have Anthony Richardson down. And is that, that more of like a, a draft prospect view or if that's more of um, kind of a talent view? Or do they overlap? I I think they overlap a little bit, but I mean, definitely with my focus being on the draft, uh, Anthony Richardson scares me. As we've talked, quarterbacks are can be the biggest fallers. I mean, DJU was top three consensus Debbie pick, and now he's fallen off the map. I think Anthony Richardson is a player who has a lot of fantasy upside if he goes to the NFL gets top 100 draft capital. Like there's a lot of things that have to go right. And then he could absolutely smash in the NFL. I just, I'm not convinced he's going to get there. And if he does, I don't, I don't think it's going to be next year. I think if he declares early, he's going to get lost and be a you know third day pick. And then if he stays for another year, is he that good watching him? I'm not sure he's a great passer. I just have a lot of NFL concerns about him actually making it and getting a job. So I would rather be more cautious with him. Nelly, you have him ranked the highest. Uh, what's your case for Anthony Richardson? Um, it's not even necessarily a disagreement with Shane. Like, I don't think anything that he said is necessarily wrong. 
Uh, it's just like if the um, the bull outcome happens, everything kind of works out as is. Uh, like he's a game breaker in fantasy. Um, and so like if that's like a 5% outcome, if that's a 10% outcome, if it's that slim, like it's still worth taking some stock in because the the value of the of that hitting is so high uh, with being a quarterback, with being a quarterback that runs. And despite the bad season that he's had, I think compared to expectation, he is still somehow getting some draft buzz just because those tools are there. Like the tools are undeniable. He's athletic and he has a very strong arm. Nothing else is really there right now. And I say that as someone who who likes Anthony Richardson as that as that is shown by my ranks, but um, like somehow he's still getting that buzz solely on the tools. So um, it's a combination of those things. Yeah, I think he's a very toolsy player. But again, I don't think anything Shane said was wrong. Um, but if he ends up starting for an NFL team, there's a chance he can completely break fantasy football with that speed, with that size, with that arm. Um, Shane's completely right. His decision-making is in the toilet. Like, it's poopy. Um, like, it's really, really bad. But, you know, that's part of uh, uh, this is first full year starting in college in the SEC. Um, so there's a chance he also comes back to school. Um, Shane, just real quick, if, you, if he comes back to school, uh, do you see him rising up your board? when he comes back to school and we kind of see all these 23 guys off of it, do you think he, he has a pretty solid spot in your ranks? Yeah, I, I think he will rise up when you remove the 23 guys. It's going to help. The number's going to look better. Right. Um, you know, and then we'll have, if, if we're going to get 25 guys like Kate Klubnik and, and Drew Aller, um, you know, they'll bump up to, I guess, in our consensus, I'm sure. But yeah, he'll, he'll move up because, like you said, the upside's there. If he starts to show some promise, then I'm interested. Um, but I think it's going to be tough for him to maybe achieve what he has in the past. And it'll be interesting to see what the buzz is. Uh, so the next guy here, we have some disagreement on another quarterback um, that we also have the largest disagreement on. This is in another guy that's eligible for this year's draft, and that's Hendon Hooker. Um, so I have him ranked the highest at 26, Shane at 27, so just behind. And uh, Nelly, you have him at 48. Uh, so you want to make the case as to why uh, you seem to hate Hendon Hooker, even though analytically he's one of the, having one of the best seasons ever? <laughs> it's funny because I was pounding the table for him last year, right? Like I was, I was out there fight, going to bat for Hendon Hooker before anyone was. Um, but... I think the biggest holdup, and I think this is known, is he's going to be 25 on draft day. Like, he's a year and a half older than Kenny Pickett, and he's entering the draft. Like, he'll be – or he's he's a half a year older than Kenny Pickett, so he'll be a year and a half older than Kenny Pickett on draft day. And Kenny Pickett was very old, right? Like, so while it's a quarterback position, it doesn't matter as much. I think it limits ceiling in terms of teams thinking that they can develop him. Um and it's just for me, like he's not really doing much more this year than he was doing last year. And the NFL in a weak quarterback class didn't didn't really give him the indication that he he's uh, like a first round talent. 
Um, so maybe they're just slow to come around on him. Maybe he's doing things this year outside of what are in the numbers um, that he wasn't doing last year, and that'll change things. But I just I don't think he goes in the first round, and so that's why I'm hesitant to move him up more. Uh, so I have him ranked the highest. I think he does go in the first round, mainly because there's so many quarterback-starved teams, especially with a bad quarterback class last year, right? I think that's why we end up having four quarterbacks drafted. I assume that the line's going to be right around three and a half uh, quarterbacks drafted in the first. Like, that just seems right. Um, I think Hendon Hooker does go, and I think it's going to be on a team that uh, is probably, he might not be a top 15 pick, but if he goes in the twenties to a team that's really, really good already and has good weapons, it's just a quarterback away. Like I, I think that Hendon hooker could just fit right in and uh, be pretty productive as a quarterback. Um, I think there's a chance that he's one of the top two quarterbacks in the NFL at the, as a rookie right away. Um, I think he, because he has that age and he has, he has great tools. Like he's both mobile and he has an incredible arm. Um, and he's just seeing things differently on the field than some of the other people, even though Alabama's faced some of the same defenses. Um, he's completely picked them apart. Um, when Bryce Young hasn't. So I think that Hendon hooker should be, uh, ranked a little bit higher and there's a chance I even move him up just a tad. Shane, you have thoughts. I, I obviously, Kane and I, our rankings are pretty close, so I'm similar to that. I think when we talked about Anthony Richardson is like the big unknown wild card, whereas I feel like Kenan Hooker has a lot of the same upside. Yeah, he's not as big or massive, uh, but he, he's he's a running quarterback with good rushing production who's, I think, safely top 70 capital is pretty safe. He's probably going to be around two pick at at the at worst. Um, and we've, you know, we've seen those guys like a Jalen Hurts where – Hey, you know, you're ready to go. I agree with Kane. He could go to Tampa Bay. He could go, you know, he could go to a team like that and be the best quarterback on the roster on a team that's going to utilize him. Like, I feel like there's just more safety with Hendon Hooker than an Anthony Richardson. Um, and you're getting, and you know, the unquantifiable, he, he beat Alabama. I mean, teams are going to like it. He, he beat Alabama. I mean, he, he had to outscore them and he did. I think NFL teams are really going to like that. That's a big difference from last year where Tennessee wasn't very relevant. Now they're a top five team. I think that matters. To the next guy that we have uh, a large discrepancy on, uh, he actually fits right between these two guys in our uh, consensus ranks, which is pretty impressive. Um, He comes in at 32 overall, which is Mario Williams. Now I have Mario Williams at 23, Shane at 36, and Nelly at 42. Uh, so as I just read numbers, it just progressively got worse. Um, I'm just going to make the case for Mario Williams, and you guys can tell me why I'm wrong. Um, I think with Mario Williams, it's a complete projection forward, right? It, it's a projection when Jordan Addison is no longer in that offense at USC, right? Um, we saw when Jordan Addison's not necessarily in the game that Mario Williams is going to get a large part of the production there at USC. And, and let's be real, it's still the same Lincoln-Riley offense. There's going to be a lot of production. Um, going to wide receivers, right? And I think Mario Williams is going to be the main, uh, kind of the main guy next year that's going to do that. And um, also the reason for him kind of being ranked high is that uh, I think there's only four really good wide receivers. 
in the 24 class right now, and he's one of them. Um, so I think I think that's why too, right? I think there's four, and you can make a case that like there's you could even say that the three are much better than him, and that's fine. I don't have an argument with that. I have him ranked that way as well. Um, but I think Mario Williams is so clearly that fourth wide receiver that there's not really another one that I would rather take a shot on than a guy like Mario Williams. So I think that's part of it too, is that there's just not a lot below him when it comes to wide receivers on that 24 class. Uh, so either you two feel free to jump in. I, I, you know, I, I can go down the line here. I guess we can go down the order. Like I, I, I like him enough. He's, he's a little small to me, uh, which I have to have a fear of in terms of Kane, you being right. He's a top Mario Williams, is the top four receiver in the 24 class right now. But when the guys on his heels are Ja'Cory Brooks, 6'3", Troy Franklin, 6'2", and you're talking about listed, you know, 5'9", 5'10", Mario Williams. I think that's a fear, is just what is the NFL upside? So I think we can get production. Maybe there's a nice floor here. That's why I like him in the mid-30s. I think that sounds about right, where you're taking him into the third round. Um, you're, you're getting a nice, a nice floor and an okay ceiling, I do agree with Kane. He could eat it up next year and have a really good season. And, you know, I could look silly for it, not having him in the twenties, but um, I think there's also a chance. Some of these other 24 wideouts really smash next year. Guys go back to school from the 23 class. And we're talking about Mario Williams that, eh, you know, maybe he's a third round pick and, and, and things just kind of fall off a little bit. Yeah, actually I agree with everything Shane said. I, I'm actually interested that I'm the lowest here because I like Mario Williams. Like I think he's a good wide receiver. He's one of my favorites in the 24 class as well. Um, so I'm surprised I'm the lowest. I guess the points that that you guys have brought up about him being a smaller wide receiver exist. And and Kane mentioned this is all a projection. And I agree. I think he's going to have a great year next year with Caleb Williams, but it's still a projection. So I guess the biggest differentials is I'll take the small guys in the 23 class that have already taken that step forward rather than the projected step forward from Mario Williams. So guys like Josh Downs and Marvin Mims, I have ahead of him um, because they're kind of similar prototypes, right? They're small guys, uh, with 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 some speed, Mario or Marvin Mims not quite as much speed, uh, but that's a different conversation. Um, but I'll take them above him just because I don't have to do as much projecting forward. Uh, let's move to our next guy here. Um, this player is also uh, nineteen, a difference of nineteen. So I have him ranked the highest, and that's Chase Brown, the running back at Illinois. I have him ranked thirty four. Uh, Shane 41 and Nelly 53. I'll just quickly make the case like in the Big Ten against good defenses, he's performed. He can both catch the ball, he can run the ball, he can show that he can touch the ball 40 plus times a game. He's efficient on the ground. Um, like this screams like quintessential second round pick of the NFL draft to me. Uh, I don't care if that's the third round, that doesn't bother me. Uh, but we have to rank him like he's like. I believe he's going to get that value. Um, so that's where I'm at. I, I'm surprised that I, I'm not higher on him than, than you are. Like, cause I, the same thing in Nelly, same Mario Williams. Like I love chase Brown. Um, he's every single game this year is over a hundred yards rushing. He's literally like nipping the 
rushing record for number of rushes in a season, which is wild, right? Um, but you know, he was on Bruce Feldman's freak list. He's gonna run extremely well, four three five, four four flat, uh, at at almost yeah, 200 over 200 pounds. Clearly, he catches the football. There's a lot to like. I agree. I think day two draft capital is is probable. Um, I think he ends up being round two rookie pick, late round two rookie pick, maybe goes higher in a good situation. So yeah, I like him in the early forties. I guess the question is you have, you know, you have an older running back, you have a guy that's going to have a lot of carries. I know some people get freaked out with that. I I don't worry about it too much. Um, So yeah, I mean, I'm a fan, but uh, I, I do, I would rather take, I don't know, Zach Charbonnet, um, you know, someone like that's a little bit younger over Chase Brown at this point, but it's it's close. While we're talking about running backs, I think there's one running back that most people know I'm not as big of a fan of as most people, and that's uh, Nelly's guy from Syracuse, Sean Tucker. Um, so Nelly has him ranked 17, Shane 22, and I have him ranked 30. Um, so Nelly, feel free to make the case for Sean Tucker here. Like, I just don't really get what's not to like. Like, his production is phenomenal. He's catching the ball. He's got he's got solid size. He's going to run very, very fast. Uh, he's he's able to move laterally. Like, I just the, – the knock is that he plays at Syracuse, right? Like, gross, Syracuse. But they're a solid team this year. He's been a big reason why they've been solid. I just – I, I think there's a ceiling because of the in terms of draft capital because he plays at Syracuse, but I don't. I mean, that just means I don't think he can go in the first round. Like I think his ceiling is the second round, and that's still fine. Um, but I just there's not much to not like about Sean Tucker, in my opinion. Uh, Shane, you want to go since you're in the middle here? Yeah, I I, I tend to agree with Nelly. I mean, he has everything that you look for. He catches passes. Um, I, I actually may be a little bit higher in terms of I think the first round is possible. No, I think it, I don't think it's probable, but he, he was a track athlete in high school. This isn't a slow player. So if he absolutely kills the combine and Jameer Gibbs, B.J. Robinson don't do the combine, now Sean Tucker is the buzziest running back in the class. Like there's a chance we said we see CH go in the first round. It could happen at the back end. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I like him. I think there is a, a question of if he's going to be a lead, you know, bell cow running back in the NFL. But he's, you know, he's only 21. I, I think I think all signs point to good things. So I'm interested to hear what Kane has to say. I think he's fine. Um, of the players I have ranked ahead of him, um. I don't believe that uh, Sean Tucker changes a team that, that much, right? I think the players that I have ranked above him um, change a team a lot um, and not only make their team better, but also do very well in fantasy football. Um, I think Sean Tucker's going to do fine. I think he's going to be basically David Montgomery, just a hair faster in the NFL, which is fine. That sounds like a really uh, good player. Faster David Montgomery. <laughs> Sign me up. <laughs> and he'll be a running back too for a couple seasons. And like he'll be fine. But I'd rather try for Chase Brown. 
Um, I'd rather go a little bit lower for Chase Brown um, that I know is going to... He basically does everything Sean Tucker does, um, just a little bit better. Um, and I don't have to spend as much for him. He's going to be slower, um, but he's going to be a lot safer for NFL teams. Um, I don't think Sean Tucker's close to the first round. I think there's a chance that Sean Tucker doesn't even go in the second round of the NFL draft. So I'm just not a Sean Tucker guy. Also, his vision sometimes is not great. So that's me on Sean Tucker. Uh, most people are going to say that I'm wrong, but that's all right. We'll find out soon enough. We'll see. Um, next guy here that we got to talk about. Um, got to talk about why uh, Nelly hates tight ends real quick. Uh, so I have <laughs> Michael Mayer at 21. Uh, Shane has him at 19. Uh, Nelly has him at 30. Tight end premium as well. So. Yeah. And like, I understand that Nelly's going to make the argument that He's not like a game-changing player, so to speak, right? Like, he's not super fast. Um, but guess what? A lot of tight ends aren't necessarily super fast, but they're just good at football. Um, Michael Mayer is going to be really, really solid in the NFL for the next 10 years. And with our current tight end market, <laughs> that means there's a great chance for quite a few tight end one seasons because um, he just has to basically breathe and fall in the end zone. Uh, to be a tight end one in all of fantasy football. Um, Shane, do you want to speak to a little bit of the X's and O's on Michael Mayer real quick? I I, I think for Michael Mayer, you know, we'll talk about the athleticism, but he's never going to work out. We're never going to know. I think he can be similar to Pat Fryermuth in being a target hog with good body control. It's going to catch, get a lot of volume. Uh, And I think... You know, I think if you look back, I think a lot of people would rather have Pat Fryermuth than had taken paid up for Kyle Pitts, right? Like Michael Mayer is used all over the field. You know, he's 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 a guy that is the primary target for Notre Dame, is middle of field, sideline, end zone, does a little bit of everything. So I think you can get a solid back end tight end one and tight end premium whose upside is a lot of catches. Um to me, I think that's it's very required. As Kane said, the tight end landscape is not great in fantasy football right now. So um, I think Mayer has good PPR upside, and I think there is a nice high floor with him. So I'd rather take the safe tight end than try to project some of these guys a year, two years down the line. Yeah, I... I think my reasoning for having him lower is kind of twofold, right? Like you guys mentioned the athleticism. I think it probably, it gets overblown to a certain extent. Like I think he's going to be a fine athlete uh, and it doesn't mean he can't be a good NFL player by any means. Um, It's just trends kind of indicate that elite tight ends are usually elite athletes, but there's avenues to go around that. It's more of a game theory thing for me where like, Tight ends usually take a little while to develop in the NFL and hit their full ceiling. Like Kyle Pitts putting up a thousand yards last year was was an anomaly. That was the best rookie tight end season we've ever seen in like the past fifty years, um, and he's back down to earth this year. So like 
you might have to wait a little bit while to get your returns on him. We see we see first round guys who go in like the top ten in the top twenty, like TJ Hawkinson, um, Noah Fant. These guys are like they're pretty good prospects, and they just don't really like they don't get used instantly. It takes some time to pay off, and um, and so like unless you're a guy like Kyle Pitts, for me that has like game breaking upside. I probably am just going to fade you as a rookie just because the path to success and relevancy is longer and um, not as fruitful along the way. Nothing like game winning upside and weak losing downside, baby. <laughs> oh, Kyle oh. Pitts. Oh, sorry, Kyle. Um, but I, I know there's we're going to have some differences and things are going to kind of smooth out a little bit as we kind of get more NFL buzz and kind of see um you know we'll do a mock draft here I'll have Shane kind of get some guys together for an NFL mock draft and we can kind of go through that a little bit um to kind of see where some of these really good players are going to go um but Shane I kind of wanted to ask you about some of these kind of names that uh have been getting a little bit of buzz but we're not really sure like some of these players have burned us in the past in, in Devi and C2C and, and kind of some haven't. So I'm just going to start with, with two quarterbacks here. Um, I just am curious if you had to pick one that would kind of get, um, you know, better NFL draft capital, uh, Michael Penix out of Washington or another PAC 12 guy, Bo Nix out of Oregon. It's interesting because I think I think it is a little bit tough. Um, where I think Michael Penix has the upside, and I imagine watching him, you feel like okay, this this is a guy that has an NFL arm. So I, I would probably pick Michael Penix if I had a bet on who's going to get the highest draft capital if they both come out this year. That being said, I think Bo Nix who I think all of us wrote off after Auburn. It was awful for years that Auburn has gotten better every game at Oregon. He's He just dominated UCLA in a really difficult game. Game day was there, five touchdown passes. He's moving. Like, he's moving up. I think he has a, a floor at this point that's high day three. I think Michael Penix has the higher ceiling. So um, I, would, I would bet if... Michael Penix keeps doing what he's doing. Someone takes the shot on him first, but uh, I think it's close. I think there's two good names. And let's move over to the running back position. I know one guy that we've been kind of high on, especially because he's been performing well at, at a school that produces running backs, but I don't think um, we've heard a ton of like NFL draft buzz about right now. And that's Kenny McIntosh, the running back of Georgia. Um, and then kind of compare him with, uh, you know, another running back that, you know, we kind of like, um, but is very undersized for his position. But just curious how you feel about Deuce Vaughn. So kind of two guys that can catch the ball really, really well. Um, what are kind of your thoughts for NFL draft buzz on those two guys? I would definitely go with McIntosh. I think similar to James Cook last year, there wasn't much buzz at this point in the season. Two months out when we got to December, and that started coming out. I think, is Kenny McIntosh going to be on that level? No, he's not producing quite like that. And he's a little bit older. 
But I, I do think that Kenny McIntosh is showing those pass-catching chops that NFL teams love. Deuce Vaughn's interesting because I, I think there are going to be teams that love him and teams that hate him. I think the teams that don't want anything to do with Deuce Vaughn with his size. But, I mean, he's tough. You watch him. I think he has better tape than Kenny McIntosh. Um, but, you know, you're taking a guy that's 5'6", 176, and am I going to put him in the backfield? Am I really going to do that? So I, I think Deuce Vaughn could be one of those day three running backs that does produce at the NFL level that people really buy into. But I think Kenny McIntosh is pr- more likely to get better draft capital. I'll be pretty surprised if Deuce Vaughn declares, to be honest with you. I, j- I just think he's going to stick it out for at least another year. Let's move on to wide receivers here real quick. Um, I know one wide receiver you really like, and we've talked about him on some of our uh, second pods before, and that's Rasheed Rice, the wide receiver at SMU. Um, and then I know some other some other people, specifically on this podcast, uh, might be pro or anti a guy like uh, Old Bone Seti Tillman, um, especially at Tennessee. So, like, you tell me, how do you kind of compare those two guys, especially when Cedric Tillman hasn't necessarily played a whole lot this year, did have some good production last year, uh, compared with Rasheed Rice, who's breaking things in college fantasy football this year? I think they're similar prospects in a lot of ways. Um, I, I have Cedric Tillman ranked higher, ranked a few spots higher myself just because we've seen the production in the SEC and I feel conf- comfortable and confident with his ability for contested catches and to run good routes. Um, but if you, if you had to put a, a gun to my head, say, Hey, which one's getting drafted higher? I think I'd pick Rasheed Rice at this point. I just think the consistency on the field, some of the body control that he has, I, and, and he, he didn't, you know, he's, he got banged up, but he's not as hurt as Cedric Tillman has been. I, I think Rice's production, even against top corners, has been impressive this year. If you're looking for that G5 receiver that gets top 50 capital, like I, I think it's going to be Rasheed Rice. I think Tillman goes day two. Um, but yeah, I, I'm definitely banging the drum that like, hey, Rasheed Rice could be a sneaky first round pick. Well, it makes sense that Cedric Tillman would go day two. That seems like where Tennessee wide receivers go. Uh, so that's that Tillman this year, Jalen Hyatt next year. Yep. Keep it going. Makes sense. Um, so I know that's not really a segment for me and Natalie, but we just want to see Shane's thoughts on kind of these back end uh, guys that, that we kind of hear a lot, hear some buzz about that we see on Twitter a lot, um, kind of asking us how we feel about them and that we don't really know sometimes. <laughs> I'm so glad to have Shane uh, kind of tell us about that. Um, Shane, you want to teach us something about history though? Yeah, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll hit this up since we've been going a little bit around the globe. I'm going to start doing that. So I wanted to, I'm going to do a couple, couple weeks here on, on South America, Latin America, because uh, this one maybe has still has some American influence. But um, in 18, I think a lot of us know this, but in 1886, Coca-Cola uh, was basically invented as a French cocoa wine. So they had French wine combined with cocaine uh, was the drink, the non-alcoholic drink. Um, yeah, it, that was, it was actually initially used to get people off morphine, uh, was what Coca-Cola was initially used for. And then, you know, people like both wine and cocaine. So, um, they eventually took the wine out, take the alcohol out. Um, but then, you know, cocaine, not, not great. So, yeah, this, this initial drink, it was actually made with coca leaves where cocaine comes from and, uh, from Peru. And so Peru's flag is red and white. That's why Coca-Cola 
is red and white. Um, eventually they took cocaine out of Coca-Cola, but uh, they, they still use the coca leaves, the non-cocaine coca leaves for flavoring. So I think what's interesting about this is Santa Claus. You know, Santa Claus, we think red and white, right? The reason is because Coke basically invented that image. Um, there's a lot you can read about it out there, but your image of Santa Claus is Coca-Cola. Like they made Santa Claus look how he does. Um, so the reason that Santa Claus is red and white is because Coca-Cola is, and the reason Coca-Cola is is because it's Peru's flag. So the reason Santa Claus and we have red at Christmas is because Peru, Peru's flag is why Santa Claus wears what he does and has the colors he does. Also, it looks terrific on the backdrop of a green tree. <laughs> it, so. it does. It does work really well. Yeah. Uh, well, that uh, the good old days of Coke, you know. <laughs> the good old days. Um, let's just dive into our uh, into our buy, sell, and unknown stock here. Um, Nelly, you want to go first? Yeah, so I'll start out with my sell here. Uh, I'm selling Cam Ward, quarterback at Washington State. He transferred up from Incarnate Word. He was like a five-star quarterback in the portal. Um, And he just – I'll tell you what. When you watch him play, he's a lot of fun to watch, right? He plays with like a lot of swagger. He's like – he's very fun in the pocket. But it hasn't really been successful. Like he he scrambles – and, and evades the pocket and then throws a dump off. And that's kind of all it's been this year. So he's been a little bit disappointing, and I think there's still some Debbie buzz for, with him. Um, but he's also, like, he's mobile, but he doesn't really run. Uh, so there's not even a ton of upside there on that front. Um, and so for me, I think he's a sell at, at current cost. Uh, I am buying uh, Rome. It might be Rome, Rome Adunze at Washington. Um, he is actually, there's another wide receiver there, Jalen McMillan, who I think is probably a little bit more well-known, a little bit more on the radar, but, uh, Adunze has outperformed him this year by a good margin. He's been, he's been Michael Penix's favorite target this year. Uh, he's a little bit bigger than McMillan. He's, he's, uh, more of like a straight line guy with a little bit contested catchability, but his production this year is, is very, very good in a year where, our top wide receivers production has been down. I think he's one of the leaders in the country. I don't know exactly where he is, um, but, but he's up there and just in terms of raw yards, cause that offense is very um, a high volume passing. Uh, my unknown stock is Bo Collins at Clemson, um, who I just moved down in my rankings a little bit. He's gone the past two games without a catch. Uh, which is not a good sign for a guy who I was hoping would break into that second tier along with Mario Williams that we were talking about earlier for those 2024 wide receivers. He started off the year pretty strong with a bunch of touchdowns, uh, but the yards were never quite there. And now the the touchdowns have dropped along with literally any production. So I don't know what's going on there. Like I think he's still probably their best wide receiver other than maybe these freshmen coming up behind him. Uh, and he has uh, chemistry with DJU. They played high school ball together. So I don't think this is going to continue. Uh, but for Debbie purposes, with this being his second year and, and this being important to see that step up in production, um, I'm worried about him. Shane, you want to go next? Yeah, I'll take it. Uh, 
my buys, as, as Kane always says, and I think it's time to start thinking about it, uh, the Senior Bowl is a hell of a drug. And we know every year all the Senior Bowl players get a nice bump in this offseason in Debbie. Um, you know, shameless plug over at Draft Countdown, my, my partner Brian, who's gone to the Senior Bowl since the 80s, he's as in tune with their process as anyone came out with his predictions for the offensive roster. Like, go look at it. And especially in C2C leagues where a lot of these guys are available, trade for some of them. Um, you know, we talked about Bo Nix. Like, go trade for Bo Nix. You know, if Bo Nix goes to the Senior Bowl and, and ends up, gets propped up at some point, you can sell him for more. Uh, Cameron Peoples for App State. Not getting a ton of runs, had a big game. Go, you know, trade for him. Trey Palmer for Nebraska. He's almost certainly going to go to the Senior Bowl. So, like, all, all these guys that we never think, Jonathan Mingo, um, he, he has Tyron Powell of UL Monroe. Like in your C2C league, you, you probably pick up Tyron Powell and maybe get a player that's going to be a fourth round rookie pick. It's, I think that's something to start looking at before your league mates do. You might be able to adjust and pick up an NFL guy on the back end of a, a C2C roster and get that. Um, my sell, and I, I don't think I'd say this, but I, I think I'd, look, I'd, I'd inquire to sell Nick Singleton, the running back out of Penn State. Uh, not that I don't think Nick Singleton's great, not that he still can't smash and end up being the number one running back in 2025. But I do think 2025, we've seen some good running backs. So I think maybe in you know a C2C format, trade Nick Singleton for Quinchon Judkins from Mississippi plus something. I think you could get that. You know, in a Debbie, I might go and look, can I trade Nick Singleton and a bench piece for Jameer Gibbs? Um, I would do it. I think there's always a lot of things that can go wrong in two years. And uh, I think Nick Singleton's really good, but maybe he's, he's not producing quite as much as, as Trey Van Henderson did as a freshman. will say that my unknown is uh, Will Shipley running back Clemson. I feel like he, I feel like I have him as an unknown every couple months, but like he's good. I could watch Clemson. I could see Will Shipley is a good player. He's fast. He's athletic. He's gotten better. I, I just don't know what the ceiling is. Like, is is he actually a potential top three running back in that class? Uh, Braylon Allen, Rocket Sanders, clearly ahead of him. I, I don't know. I, I just still don't know what Will Shipley is for the NFL. And, and I don't know. Well, I guess I'll find out at some point. So speaking of uh, some running backs in the 24 class, a guy that I'm buying is Braylon Allen. Now, I know Nelly poo-pooed on him a couple weeks ago that like, sure, he might not have like the true long breakaway speed. And and I get that. And I, I don't, I don't necessarily disagree with Nelly. Um, he's not going to be the fastest running back in that draft, uh, but he's going to be the youngest and biggest running back in the 24 draft. And an NFL team is going to absolutely fall in love with him. And sure. He might not get like true three down work because he's not a, there's going to be so many better pass catchers than Brandon Allen. Right. Um, but he's very good when he has a football in his hands. Um, and in a power offense, he's going to absolutely do really, really well. Um, so when Derrick Henry is no longer on the Titans and the Titans are trying to figure out who's going to be the next guy to run the ball 72 times a game. And if it ends up being Braylon Allen, like giddy up, like He's not going to be exactly Derrick Henry, but he's going to be ready to tote that rock 35 times a game in December, January when they need him to, right? Um, so I'm buying him. 
someone that I'm selling, um, like this feels a bit weird since he hasn't really played a whole lot, but I'm going to sell Drew Alar and not because of his talent, because of Penn State. I don't think that like Penn State is ever going to be a system that's going to produce uh, quarterbacks that are going to do a lot for the NFL. And there's a chance that like, you know, you'll probably have a better sell window in a few months, right? Because we know that Sean Clifford is going to be gone, that that he's going to end up being kind of the main quarterback. And when those reports come out, um, I think just be ready that you might want to sell Drew Alar because someone's going to want to pay you a lot for him. Um, and you're going to be able to uh, make off like a bandit. Um, so look at that. I think that's something that you should think about doing. Like Penn State's always going to be a run first team in the Big Ten. They're not going to throw it as many times as you want them to. It's going to be difficult for him to continue to get buzz. Um, that that kind of gets him that first round draft capital. I think that's going to be difficult for him at Penn State. Um, and someone I don't know what to do with, even though I'd love to talk about Will Shipley just a little bit more. Um, I'm, I kind of want to talk about just a little bit um, Xavier Worthy. Now, I like Xavier Worthy a lot. I think he's a really talented player. Obviously, you're getting a really small, really small, super fast wide receiver, right? Super electric that can basically do anything on the football field. Um, but I'm just curious how that's going to fully translate to the NFL. Like we've never really had that before. Like 165 pound wide receiver. Uh, well, we kind of had that in Tutu Atwell or Poo Poo Crapwell, as we like to call him. Um, that's a really terrible comparison, right? <laughs> because uh, you know Xavier Worthy's just much better. But I just don't know what to do with Xavier Worthy as a whole. Like, does that I? know that he's talented but is that going to fully translate over to the nfl um and is press man coverage going to be an issue against really really good quarterbacks i think that's a question that we um are going to have to continue to talk about uh but that's all of it for us here at the Devi marketplace uh make sure you join the discord and just know that thank you so much for listening and that we appreciate every single one of you